So today we're starting a new series, uh, Rage Against the Machine, the Subversive Message of the Lord's Prayer, which is such a fun title and such a fun video. I have to brag that uh, Grant Sizemore made that video for us, one of our youth, and I just thought, what a cool video. Great job. <laughs> Thank you for putting that together. He said, what do you think about the music? I was like, it is awesome. <laughs> it's perfect with the theme. Uh, Rage Against the Machine might be a little dated, but I don't think so. Always worth a listen. So, um, so yeah, in this series, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer because there's a subversive message there that we often don't get when we read it. We pray it every week here. You probably grew up praying it. Uh, we pray it in a, a language we call the King James Version. Uh, we're going to look at it in a more modern context and, and the language. We're going to say, hey, what's the message underneath all this that we often miss uh, and explore some of that? Now, we all have different levels of comfort when it comes to change, right? Things that are, are different and new. Some of us, we love change, and we love when things are different and new. And others of us, we, we don't really like it that much. But after we've experienced the change and the, the, the different thing, we all usually get pretty used to it and a little more comfortable. Uh, in fact, I'd say that is the story of every dad who doesn't want a dog, wouldn't you? Uh, they, they tend to look something like this, uh, dads who didn't want a dog. A dog, a dog shirt, a dog mask, yeah, yeah. Uh, resistance, 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 I love it. The change is amazing. This is how we like it, right? Uh, so much so that, that change becomes, this new thing becomes routine, it becomes normal. Now, that doesn't mean uh, that normal and routine is good, though, right? We can get un bored with routine and things that are normal. It gets kind of stale. Uh, you know, to the point if you go to a new school or you go to a new job or you go to a conference or something like that, uh, you tend to get asked the same questions over and over and over again as you meet people. What's your name? Uh, what are you majoring in? What's your favorite color? What's your job? What do you do for a living? You know, and the more people you meet at these things, the more exhausted and tired you go saying, okay, my name is, my favorite color is, my job is, my, right? Uh, it, it can get kind of dull and boring. So, so we like to spice that up a little bit. Uh, a lot of times I think we tend to feel like this, this guy. So I asked this guy, how tall are you? And he handed me this. And this is what the card says. This is a little business card. Yes, I am tall. I am 6'10". No, I'm not kidding. Yes, that is tall. No, I do not play basketball. I play volleyball. Yes, seeing the tops of everyone's head is weird. Yes, the weather is nice up here. This has been a nice conversation. <laughs> right? he, he knows, he's experienced it so much, he knows this is what's coming, right? This is, a, this is how it works. But he doesn't get bitter or annoyed by it. Actually, he comes up. He's so familiar with the questions he gets, he comes up with a creative solution. <laughs> I'm going to hand you a card. And that actually, uh, because what we want to do when we ask people questions is we kind of want to get to know them a little bit. So he doesn't shut all that down. He says, let's do that in a different way. Here's a card. How could you not laugh when you hand a card to somebody like that? <laughs> and how could you not laugh when you read it? There, there's still going to be some relationship and some growth there that happens. Uh, and so that's the thing about things we're familiar with, familiarity, is that it gets comfortable but, and maybe boring, but there's an opportunity there because of how familiar it is to do something totally different, totally creative, totally new that still encompasses the old. Uh, to the point that this is what this kid did in his yearbook quote. <laughs> he says, uh, I'm not a vegetarian because I love animals. I'm a vegetarian because I hate plants. <laughs> he knows the answer. He knows what everybody's thinking. So he's like, oh, I can be creative and fun with this. And that's the gift of being familiar with stuff. And this is what Jesus does with the Lord's Prayer. That This whole thing isn't revolutionary. It isn't new. A lot of these elements are just normal 
standard parts of Jewish prayer. But because they're so familiar, Jesus can do something different, something subversive, something creative and new with what is old and familiar. Uh, and so we're going to look at the first part of the Lord's Prayer today, uh, just the very beginning. And the whole thing starts with this very simple opening line. And what I want us to do is we're just going to say it together. Can we say it together as we put it on the screen? Just not nice, short, and simple. Um, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. May God add a blessing to the hearing, the reading, and the living out of this scripture. So when we start out with our Father who is in heaven, actually the, the better translation is our Father who is in the heavens, it's plural, because then they believe there were multiple levels of heaven. That was just the understanding. Uh, our Father who is in the heavens, uh, we, we aren't praying. Jesus isn't saying, hey, uh, God is up in the sky somewhere. And we know, you know how we know this, because we've, we've been up there. <laughs> We've literally flown planes through the clouds and in the sky and didn't see God floating up there. We've been to outer space. We've been to the moon. We sent a land rover to Mars. God isn't in the sky or up in the outer space area. We know that. Uh, Jesus is getting at something else. And, and when we say our Father, Jesus isn't saying God is literally our Father. God is a male we know that too. In fact, Jesus goes on at some points in the Gospels to say, God is like a, a mother hen who gathers her chicks under her wings. So there Jesus calls God a mother. And in other parts of the Bible, uh, God is referred to in, with female attributes. In fact, uh, so the Gospel of Matthew, where this comes from, it's written in, we've got it in Greek. It's also been written in Arabic. So we have versions in Arabic and we have versions in Hebrew. And uh, at that time, people spoke Arabic. Jesus probably spoke Arabic. So when we go to the Arabic translation, what it says is it uses this word, Abba. And the Arabic, uh, the, the word that some Arabic scholars say is Abun, which actually means something about um, God's womb, which shifts the whole conversation then, right? Oh, so it's something about, are we, what, what is Jesus even saying if that's how it works? So some translations will say, uh, God, birther of us all. And all this is, is just to say, oh, Jesus isn't trying to put God in a category of male or female. Genesis says God creates humans in God's image, male and female. Okay, that means one gender doesn't have the, <laughs> the priority on who God is and what God is like. That God doesn't fit into these binary categories that we create. And I want to start in all talking about those things, God in the heavens or God is male or God is female, because Jesus doesn't care about any of that. He's not talking about that at all. But we get caught in all those categories and talking about all those things. What Jesus is talking about is far more subversive than that. Jewish prayers, they start still today. Our Father and sometimes even who is in the heavens. That's just been a part of how Jewish people pray. And Jesus was Jewish, and Jesus taught us this prayer. But when Jesus was teaching his disciples this prayer, he was living in Rome, under the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire was known as the fatherland, and Caesar was known as the father of the fatherland. 
So anytime Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, our Father who is in the heavens, it is a direct contrast to Caesar who is not in the heavens. It's saying, remember who your real father is. It's not Caesar. It's not the Roman Empire. It's your father who's in the heavens. It becomes a political conversation from the very start. And it sets up how we're supposed to live and think and act and move. And so not only that, it's an invitation back to the Ten Commandments. Remember the very beginning of the Ten Commandments? There's ten of them, so it's really hard to remember. But this is, this is the beginning of the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I know, ten, ten, memorizing Ten Commandments is hard. That's, that's why I've got you. Right? So, so, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, in our Christian tradition, we say that the first commandment of the Ten Commandments, will we put that back up on the screen? Uh, the first commandment of the Ten Commandments is you shall have no other gods before me. That is not how it operates in the Jewish tradition. In the Jewish tradition, the first commandment is I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. Meaning it's not a statement of God saying how God connects or relates with you. It is a commandment. I am the Lord your God. This is how you shall live. So uh, Rabbi Arnold Jacob Wolf, who was an influential rabbi uh, in the civil rights movement in the 20th century, uh, he said that the first commandment is a challenge to be lived up to every moment and in every action. So when Jesus begins the prayer and when all Jews begin the prayer with our Father, it goes back to this kind of commandment. Oh, I am the Lord your God. Our Father who's in the heavens. That's where our final authority lies. That's where our allegiance lies. That's where our values come from. That's how we live our life, which means everything else should be secondary. It's a reminder of how we're supposed to live. So our allegiance isn't to the Roman Empire, which means our allegiance isn't to the United States of America. Even though we pledge allegiance to the United States of America, our allegiance isn't to money. Our allegiance isn't to our jobs or corporations. Our allegiance isn't to wealth or health or Wall Street. All those other things, they're underneath the heavens where God is, our Father who is in the heavens. Everything else is secondary. Everything else is underneath. Our values and how we live comes from God. So every time we pray that prayer, we're trying to remind ourselves. This is Jesus saying, well, remember what's most important. Our Father, who's in the heavens. That's what's most important. How am I lining up with that? It's a challenge, an invitation for how we're supposed to live everything we do. Every breath we take, every action we step. And so that doesn't mean these secondary things are evil. Right? They have their place. It's just their place is underneath the Father who's in the heavens. And that's a hard thing to remember and a harder thing to put in practice. Right? Every day we get pulled and jostled around and invited to make other things priorities in our lives. But the opening words of this prayer, this is why it's so important to pray it all the time. So we remember. We remember what's most important. 
So uh, Arnold Abbott, in 1991, his wife passed away. And as a tribute to her, because of what she loved and uh, because of what was so important to her, he started feeding homeless people in Fort Lauderdale. He started feeding them on the beach uh, in 1991, and the city told him he had to stop because you weren't allowed to feed homeless people on the beach. And he said, well, that doesn't seem fair. Everyone else gets to eat on the beach. Everyone else gets to enjoy food on the beach. Why, why shouldn't people who are homeless get to enjoy food on the beach? So they got in a lawsuit, and he sued the city, and he won the lawsuit. And then in 2014, this is him at age 90, out there still feeding people, and the city had changed these laws again to say you couldn't feed people outside. You had to have all these different, uh, there are all these other barriers to entry to be able to feed people. He said, this seems ridiculous. I'm just going to keep feeding people. So they showed up and they arrested him. Uh, and then two days later, he went out and he started feeding people again. <laughs> and uh, while he's doing this, one of the times when he's arrested, he's been arrested many times. Um, but let's put this quote up. One of the times he's arrested, he says, how do you turn them away? Talking about the people he's feeding. I don't do things to purposely aggravate the situation. I'm trying to work with the city. Any human has the right to help his fellow man. It's our First Amendment right, and I believe in the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man, and we should be allowed to feed our fellow man. And I love that he says, I believe in the fatherhood of God. Why? Oh, because God is our father, our ultimate authority up in the heavens. Everything else falls underneath that. That's what he's saying. The most important thing is doing what God has called me to do. The most important thing are the values of my faith and what God says is important. And so I'm going to act and live in that way. And I'm not going to worry about all the other stuff that comes along with that. I'm going to trust and do that. And so we get pulled in all kinds of directions, right? We worry about, we get caught up in the test grades, we get caught up in the money, we get caught up in the success, we get caught up in the rules, we get caught up in all these other things. And it's not that they're not important, they are. They just shouldn't be the main drivers of our lives. And that's why we're blown away by these simple stories of people who live into those values, those kingdom values, those ways of God, and what's important. So like Zach Galifianakis, you're familiar with Zach, he's an actor. Yeah, so uh, let's put that up. Yeah, when Zach was an a upcoming actor, he befriended an elderly woman called Mimi who lived in the L.A. laundromat. Uh, once he became successful, he got Mimi, who experienced homelessness for decades, an apartment and paid her rent and utilities, and then he would also invite her to come to movie premieres with him. And Mimi brags that while she was living in the laundromat, she taught him how to do laundry, because he didn't know how to do that. <laughs> and we love that, because, we're like, oh, oh, Zach, Zach Galifianakis didn't let all this other stuff get in the way of what was most important, the values he knew from his faith. Loving people well, caring for people, helping those who are in need. We love that. We appreciate that. That means something to us. He remembered what was most important. Uh, another story. I was nine years old, waiting for the school bus in Wisconsin winter. I had a thin coat, no hat or gloves. A woman driving past saw me and stopped, giving me a blanket from the back of her car. It was a long, skinny one, so she wrapped it around my head and shoulders like a big scarf. I remember thanking her, but being confused. I told her I didn't know how I would give it back when I was done borrowing it. She hugged me and said, not to worry. I still have that blanket. That's a woman driving by, whatever she's going to do, the store, work, church. Maybe not on a Sunday because they're waiting on the bus, right? 
but she stops. She remembers what is most important. What is most important? Where do my values lie? That's where they are. Let me stop and make sure this child is warm. Another example. Uh, I noticed that our lovely janitor gets treated like an outcast, so I made sure to drink my coffee with him daily in front of the gate. Today I was in a hurry to get to my office, so he came to my office with a cup of coffee and awkwardly goes, thank you for being my friend. Paying attention to who's not being included. Where do our values come from? What is most important in how we live our lives? Are we stepping up to the challenge of our Father who is in the heavens as the thing of most primary importance in our lives? And when we hear those stories and when we see those things, it warms our hearts because we, and, and we are drawn to it because we know there's something deep there that's happening, something we often miss or forget or fail to see, which is what makes seeing so many refugees at the border so heartbreaking. All these thousands of Haitian refugees looking for a safe place to be, a place to be cared for, a place to be welcomed. After you may have forgotten or not heard what happened, that their president has been assassinated, that they've been dev devastated by hurricanes and earthquakes. The place is destroyed. It's in utter chaos. And so our hearts break because of everything they're going through. And obviously, immigration and refugee policies and how to care for people is, is complicated stuff, and there's nothing simple about it. But we also remember our Father who is in the heavens. What are God's values? Over and over and over again, you will welcome the immigrant and the refugee because you were once immigrants. You were once slaves in the land of Egypt. Over and over and over again. We're, it's a challenge to live into these huge things that God invites us to live into, to remember the primary thing of most importance, loving God and loving our neighbors well. How we do that, that's what we're wrestling with, right? That's where we're fighting. That's where we're trying to figure it out. And to remember Jesus also says to love our enemies. So whether that be the refugee or whether that be the border patrol person, whether that be how things are working out, whether that be how our government is sending away plane loads of refugees before they can ask for refuge. Because if they ask for refuge, then we actually have to do something about it. But if we can send them away before they ask, we don't have to deal with it. Even though the courts have come out and said, you can't do that anymore, but they, we still have two weeks, so we're, gonna, we're sending away as many people as we can so we don't have to help. And yet we're called back to remember to this prayer, our Father who is in the heavens. Our Father who is in the heavens. What is the most important thing? And how do we live that out? So maybe we're not all in the same place on how we live those things out. Maybe we're not all in the same place uh, of how we act and respond in all these moments and situations or what, we're, what is possible for us to do. It's hard for us to affect anything on the border here in Taylorsville or Alexander County or North Carolina. Uh, and yet we're, we're called to continue to live into this commandment, to put God first, to remember, I am the Lord your God. And so uh, Rabbi Arnold Jacob Wolf, who I mentioned earlier, 
he sums up the, the life of faith this way. He says, I try to walk uh, the road of Judaism. Embedded in that road are many jewels. One is Mark's Sabbath, and one civil rights, and one honor your parents, and one study the Torah, and one you shall be holy. There are at least 613 of them, which is how many laws are in the Jewish faith. Jesus boils them down to two, right? Love God and love your, your neighbor. He doesn't get rid of the 613. He just said all of them are encompassed in this. He says, uh, there are at least 613 of them, and they are different shapes and sizes and weights. Some are light and easy for me to pick up, and I pick them up. Some are too deeply embedded for me. So far, at least, though, I get a little stronger by trying to extricate the jewels as I walk the street. Some, perhaps, I'll never be able to pick up. I believe that God expects me to keep on walking Judaism Street and to carry away whatever I can of its commandments. I do not believe that God expects me to lift what I cannot, nor may I condemn my fellow Jew who may not be able to pick up even as much as I can. That this prayer Jesus teaches us, this prayer we're invited to pray, our Father who's in the heavens, is an ongoing journey. We're trying to get better at it as we go. We're trying to love better as we go. And maybe we'll never totally be able to do all those things, to love in all those ways and all those situations and all those circumstances, but we're going to try. We're called to try. We're called to give our best effort, and maybe we, we don't end up in the same places, but that doesn't mean we condemn each other because that's part of loving too, is loving people exactly where they are. And so when we pray this prayer, Father who is in the heavens, hallowed be your name. We're saying, when I remember you are of primary importance, your values, when I live that out, I make your name blessed, I make your name holy, I make your name sacred by my actions, by remembering where everything else falls. Man, that's tough. <laughs> scary, challenging, and yet we pray it every week because part of us in our hearts and souls, we want to be able to do that. And so this is the subversive message from the very beginning, that we recognize it, we try our best to live it. We don't beat ourselves up when we can't pick those jewels up off the ground, but we trust we're getting a little stronger, we're learning a little more, we're, we're putting things in their proper place and remembering what is of primary importance. And so may our hearts and our values become more and more like God's each and every day. And may we pray this prayer, hoping and trusting and asking for that to be true. I'm going to invite you to take your hands and put them palms up in your lap. And let's pray together. God, we are grateful for this gift, for your love, for how you invite us to live out your way in this world. Where we're struggling, help us be gracious with ourselves. Where others are struggling, help us be gracious with them. Let's remember that you are our Father in the heavens. You are our first and most primary 
importance for how we focus and live and structure things and help us do our best to live that out each and every day. Through Christ we pray, amen.